Or is this just a test? Yeah, we'll do it for real. Let's oh. It'll hey. also be a test. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Always in Pursuit podcast. My name is Aaron. I am the Connections Pastor here at the church, and I am joined today with Megan. Hey, guys. And Pastor Mark. What's up? What's up, everybody? So, Mark, uh, why don't you give us a quick recap of last week's message? And then uh, kind of introduce our topic for today. Yeah. Um, sorry, I got to get closer to my mic. Um, this is going to be interesting to see if this actually works uh, correctly yeah. on, on the video feed. We're, <laughs> so we're we're sending this to YouTube just to test it. Yep. See if anybody doubt anyone will see it on YouTube. Gabe Gabe Quinn probably will. <laughs> Nobody follows us on YouTube. Gabe, this voice is for you. And we'll see if I'm actually getting <laughs> audio on YouTube. So don't yeah. know. If you're on YouTube right now, uh, which I can see there is no one on there, uh, let us know if there's audio. <laughs> um, okay, so a recap of this week's uh, sermon. This was kind of the beginning of the church. I mean, really, essentially what they're waiting for. Uh, you know, we know they're told to be witnesses, told to wait. Uh, they don't wait so good. We talked about that last week. And then this week, all of a sudden what Jesus had been promising now shows up. And it's more than they ever could have expected it to be, which is an interesting theme when -hmm. it comes to God. Often you have expectations and he just is like, hey, remember that thing that you thought was going to happen? Like, yeah, that was cute. Um, (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's funny because I just... I was thinking about this on my way over. I just came from the inspection on the house that we are purchasing in New Brighton. And it's one of those things where we'd been looking at homes for, I don't know, six, eight months and just watching the market, not really getting serious, not making a lot of offers or anything like just knowing we'd never be able to fight somebody for a house. It just, <laughs> yeah. just wouldn't happen. Yeah. People were paying like <laughs> $50,000 more than the house was worth and, you yeah. know, huge cash offers. And we we're just kind of like, Hi, I'm a pastor. My wife's an administrator at a, you know, press homes. Like we can pay this. <laughs> we, we ain't got it. No reason to fight uh, people yeah. and just go. Okay, well, you win. You know, it's fine. We don't need to. And we we're kind of like watching the market, and so we had expectations that we'd find something at some point. It'd probably be not exactly what we'd love or be pumped about, but it'd be okay. It'd be fine. We'd figure it out, and you know, our kids would have their own rooms, and we'd just be like normal people. And then. uh talked to somebody who we knew was moving and you know the house was kind of out of our range and um after we sat down and talked with them i think we kind of all agreed that it would the best thing for them would be that if we bought their house and so we were able to come to a private decision and be able to make our best offer to them and they were gracious enough to accept it and probably left money on the table honestly like they're focus was more about putting somebody in the house that was going to do ministry and mm-hmm. uh it's gonna be cool it's gonna be like really but i'm sitting over there thinking whatever my expectations were <laughs> like i think god was just kind of chuckling like yeah hey man like i got a bigger plan you know you watched for eight months didn't do anything and here here let me unfold this for you let me show you what it actually is and you know i couldn't have seen it eight months ago yeah i, I could have made a desperate you know offer on a house and gone through the the process of like continuing to offer and continuing to offer and just killing ourselves and just feeling like a, the thing was, you know, just yeah a mess. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
could never have seen what God was going to do in our lives. Now, again, we're not going back to health and wealth gospel. I don't think everything works out in your in your favor perfectly all the time. But um, don't connect those dots, people. Don't, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Yeah. But um, in this case, you know, whatever my expectations were, were absolutely blown away. Yeah. And I think that's what happens with the disciples here. Like they think one thing, and you know, they don't want to see Jesus leave. You know, after he like floats into heaven, uh, you know, the ascension it says they just stood there and looked up, like. Now what? Mm. Oh, that's what that's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. They're like, almost yeah. like they don't take him seriously when he says like, yeah. hey, um, and, you know, go back to John chapter 14. Jesus is like, I need to go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't kidding. Like mm-hmm. now in their, like in their perspective, they never wanted to see Jesus go. Mm-hmm. Like they had been like, nope, we like Jesus. We're with him. We're on his team. If he stays forever, I mean... The, the grave didn't hold him, so now mm-hmm. we kind of feel like he just could live forever now. So mm-hmm. what, why would we stop this? Like, let's yeah. keep him at the head. And um, and his goal was always to empower people, mm-hmm. not to, you know, not to reign as an earthly king, mm-hmm. but to reign as a heavenly king, and then to empower us with yeah. his spirit. And um, so they couldn't have known, never would have seen it coming, never would have chosen it probably. Yeah. Given the option, they would have chosen Jesus all day long. Well, it's it's a really perfect illustration of what it means to be a Christ follower. I mean, I've always thought that this moment in Scripture, this is like the cro- closest that like Christopher Nolan will ever get to being in the Bible in the sense of like, <laughs> these disciples, if you think about it, they've been with Jesus now for three years. They have not only witnessed his miracles and leadership and power, but they have learned at the foot of the master for three years. And so in the midst of all of that awe and empowerment and imparting of knowledge and experience, they have grown, but they've also probably thought we know what's going on here. Mm -hmm. They've got, you know, they probably had some pride, maybe thought like we've got this figured out. And so then Jesus is like, just kidding. I'm taking off, but I'm giving you the power of the spirit. And then when the spirit comes, it just opens their eyes. It's like watching inception for the 15th time and being like, Oh, that's why yep. <laughs> that happened. Three layers deep. Wait a second. The top never fell over. Is Leo still dreaming? Like, you know, that that's this point in scripture where like for the disciples, for all of Christ, the, the Jesus followers, once they receive the spirit, everything is revealed. You know, there's no longer this barrier, like you said on Sunday, between the people and God. It's God is in them. They Their eyes have been opened. And so... Like when you see Peter, you know, illumin like explaining the scriptures, and they're all just like in awe. Oh, it's such a fun passage to read. I think, like, yeah, it's so great. I mean, that's another thing. Like he stood up again. What you're capable of in the spirit, you know, you can't see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he stands up and preaches eloquently, and nails it, and nails he, it. He's like <laughs> the idiot. The the man child among the other yeah. <laughs> disciples, like you know, he's I, a, I have loving, lovingly referred to Peter over the years as like a meathead. Like <laughs> tensions, great, hundred percent on track, but like application, like <laughs> you know, <clears throat> leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I've uh, my family is a 
yell it out, hug it out family. <laughs> That's totally what Peter was. Yeah. He was like, a, I hate you and you're wrong and you're the, I mean, but let's just hug it out. We're good. Right. Yeah. Are we good? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just instant. Well, uh, it was Corey Jones who said, uh, he called himself a big dumb animal. Like when he, that ceremony gave, and I'm like, well, Peter's the big dumb animal yep. of like the disciples. Like, but yet his heart's so big. Right. You know, he's just great. Yeah. I don't want to remind you. It was me that called him the big dumb animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But he is. Get to know the guy. He's amazing. He's a very awesome. Yeah. Big animal. So yeah. he's not dumb. <clears throat> so they, they just, they, they couldn't have known what it was going to be. And the expectations they had just get blown away. And, you know, we connected it back to the idea that, like, if you're, if the Holy Spirit isn't at the center of what your church is doing, you are, you are doing it in your own power. You mm-hmm. should shut the doors. You're missing it. You should shut the doors. Like, I just don't understand how we get to a point here where we think, um, that was great for them. Mm-hmm. You know, that was great back then. Or even a cessationist would say, well, they needed the gifts of the Spirit before the Bible was written, but now that we have the Bible, the Holy Spirit is inactive in our day and age. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why are we limiting what God wants to do? Like, we need that power. Mm-hmm. Like, we need that mm-hmm. direction. It's going in a direction we don't see, and we can't visualize. We can't put ourselves into where it's it's taken us. You know, and it's like none of them, not one of them saw 3,000 people being added to their number. Mm-hmm. Not one of them. Um you know, they had 120 people in their number at that time, essentially, is, is kind of what we pick up on. And none of them thought that crazy. I mean, the other thing is, like, the spirit landed so violently, is what it says in, in the word, uh, that it would have sounded, I bet, the way that I always think about it. It's like, oh, so where did these people come from to come see this? Well, it, it probably sounded like an explosion. <laughs> Seriously, like... <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. an explosion that people came and like, what is going on? And drew all these people happened in the exact moment when all these people from out of town, like the message is just straight fire from Peter with the Holy Spirit just using him. And you're like, whatever God's up to is his expectations. What he's working on is just way beyond what we can even perceive. And I don't want to be part of a church where it's man-made. Mm-hmm. Like, great. We have like little goals. And we are adorable in what we think is going to happen, what our expect- <laughs> expectations are. You know what? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. there's something about that that's, like, okay, because, like, you know, you're a leader. You have to create goals. You have to, you know. Yeah. But also, like, just laugh at these goals, God, if you are if you want to do something bigger or crazier than this. Like, mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. take me real serious when I make these. Like, yeah. I hope something's happening in our church that's beyond what I can see coming. Mm-hmm. That's really where we need to be. And I don't know if people, if they don't see that power, mm-hmm. if they believe this is really happening. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, as you're talking, Mark, it kind of, this idea of how I think that God created us, he wired us to be in tune with the spirit. Like if we are without the spirit, we're not whole. We're not how we should be, like how we were created to be. So I think like in the context of church and experiencing like those miracles or that, that power of the spirit, that wave of momentum, I, I, it makes sense to me that like, because we're hardwired, that's our natural bent. Like we want to try and create that, but instead of relying on the spirit to orchestrate that, to make it happen, we try and like make our own version of that. That's why I think like there's a fair number of people out there that are so drawn to larger churches, you know, 
larger auditoriums, more people, like bigger production value, bigger worship, things like that. It's because it feels like, a, you know, if we're being honest, that's a pretty cheap version of like we're this. creating yeah. the explosion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not a spirit necessarily. Yeah. The spirit's there, but the spirit's just we're like, well, the movement. yeah. So I think to get to what you're saying, I think we, we want that. We get excited by it. It's very like fun. It's tantalizing, you know, like we are made to be a part of that kind of a movement. But the problem we have is sitting back and letting the Holy Spirit do it and (laughs) not (laughs) like releasing control. And they don't have any control. Exactly. They're too dumb to have control in this moment. (laughs) (laughs) But like the windows fly open and then all of a sudden there's flaming tongues above everyone's head and they Mm -hmm. start uttering other languages like... They don't have control of that. Mm-mm. No. I mean, I don't know what they're doing up there in that room, probably praying, probably reading scripture. Again, I talked about the passages they would have been reading that day, mm-hmm. um, given what they were doing in the worship lit- liturgy of the the Jews in the first century. But, um, yeah, they didn't really, like, try to control the spirit. It's funny, though. Like, we still, we try to do that. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like we have any control over what God's going to do. Like, it's just such a... I, again, I think he just laughs at our like adorableness, where we like are tr- again trying to control every aspect of our life. Yeah, and it's like if we if we turn God into this thing that we can control, then we don't really see the power that he's mm-hmm. a, he's offering or that's available. Yeah. Now I think it's like not only an issue for us. <coughs> sorry, from a organizational standpoint as a church, but also mm-hmm. in individuals' lives. Like I don't understand why we are afraid. Like given the background that you grew up in, you may have fear around the Holy Spirit actually being active in your life. Mm-hmm. That there's, you know, it may have even been like, uh, there may have even been people that kind of dissuaded you from engaging the Holy Spirit in your life. There are, right now, I just talked about cessationists. There's a whole section of Baptists that believe that the uh, Holy Spirit isn't even active right mm-hmm. now that he doesn't guide us that his gifts aren't available that we have the word and that's all we need now that the word is done the gifts of the holy spirit have ceased that's why they call them cessationists because they're ceased and it's like you know uh you may have grown up in a in a uh stream where no one ever talked about the holy spirit where it was almost like it was almost like you know uh not vilified but like not celebrated and yeah. and <laughs> thought to be weird mm-hmm. and if you ever found yourself in a a context that was like uh, charismatic, where the gifts are out there, it could freak you out. That's the church I grew up in. Yeah. I grew up in a very traditional Baptist church, and there might have been mention of the Trinity Whoa. every once in a while. But like we Whoa. never talked about the Holy Spirit. Never right. like individually. And so even like nothing. Like right. I, I knew nothing. And the idea, it wasn't talked down upon, but nobody talked yeah. about it. And it was like, don't ask questions. Don't, don't do that. So when I did experience a more charismatic environment or a church, mm-hmm. I was like, what is happening right now? I, I don't know how totally. to like process yeah, this right. or where to put this anywhere in my faith or my relationship with Jesus. It took me a really long time. I'm still wrapping my head around that. Sure. I think I grew up in a very similar church as yours. Yeah. In the sense that it wasn't, it was talked about, 
but the application was never really embraced in tangible ways. Mm. And so I grew up in like a non-denominational Church of Christ here in Minnesota church. Uh, on the conservative spectrum, I would say if pretty conservative, uh, not the most conservative, but pretty conservative, uh, but very much like in that Baptist stream of mm-hmm. churches, even though we we're not Baptist, don't say that. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> like, but like shame around who they are. Exactly. But I, it's so funny because I feel like, um, because I was not taught about that or even just like the workings of the spirit, the expression mm-hmm. of, of the spirit working, some of those things like speaking in tongues or like, you know, healing, things like that, like it never happened at my church ever, nope. you know? And so like when I first started to encounter that as a teenager, I, so I, there was one time I was dating this girl in high school. I think it was maybe like my sophomore, my junior year. And I can't even remember if we were actually dating or if we, I was just interested. She invited me to her youth group. So I went, she was at like a very charismatic church mm. And I remember going in for youth group and there were like kids running up and down the aisles, not like playing tag, like slain in the spirit. Like there were people speaking in tongues, which just sounded like gibberish to me. I didn't know what to think of it. And I just thought this is crazy town. Like, what is this? And she's like talking to her friends and everything's cool. I was like, I'm, I'm like looking around the exits, like <laughs> checking my six. Like I got to get out of here. <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. It was the weirdest experience for me. Yeah. And even, like, not to dominate this whole time, but, like, moving forward into, like, you know, later in my teenage years in, as a young adult, like, in college, as I would have more and more experiences where I would interact with some of those things, I still, I kind of got to this point of, like, it still made me feel uncomfortable. But I also learned that I need to trust in God that, like, if the Spirit is active, I'm going to know it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just need to trust that it's in my heart. And so there were times where I would be in situations where stuff like that would be going on, so I'd be speaking in tongues, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel it. And I'd be like, you know, I don't, I don't want to pass judgment on anyone else here. Like maybe the spirit's moving and he's just excluding me. I have no idea. But then there were moments where I would interact or be in a group of people and something happened and I, I would feel, I'd feel it. And I'd be like, this is genuine. At least it is for me. So I'm not gonna, yep. but to your point, Mark, like growing up, if you don't, if you're not taught about that, if it's just kind of you know held at arm's length or put in a corner over here, we acknowledge it, but we're not really like conscious of it. We don't want to build awareness around it. It can be a very crazy looking sounding thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be. It can freak you out totally. Yeah, I mean the churches that I grew up in, you know, uh, non denominational charismatic church plant, which is. You know, interesting just means that we had some hooping and hollering and we had some prophecy happening. And, you know, there were people that would speak in tongues like to themselves. And if we ever had somebody speak in tongues in front of the church, we had to have somebody interpret it. It was done in order. You can actually see where Paul talks about order in your church services. And we would follow all those guidelines, you know. Did you have people blowing like chofars? Like the... the the ram's horn no they probably would have if we had them (laughs) (laughs) so i have like a you know uh i don't know a soft spot in my heart for these these kinds of people um they're crazy crew you know it's it was but it was lively and Mm -hmm. you know we were not we were trying not to quench the spirit we were trying to just let the spirit do what it was going to do and uh and then also spent some time in Assembly of God Church when I moved. We moved out of state and we found a new church. And it was a great church. It was the kind of church where at the end of every service you'd come down and kneel at the altar and you'd have people pray over you or slay you in the spirit or you'd, you know, 
people would speak in tongues over you. Like it was the, it was very active in the, in the gifts. And I've come to a place in my life where like, I appreciate all that, but I also appreciate, um, the way our church is like, we, I don't think we're trying to get in the way of the spirit. Uh, and I think we'd celebrate it if the spirit started to do anything. Uh, but we're not manufacturing anything, you know, and that, that church yeah. I went to in, uh, it was in Illinois, you know, that one was like a, we manufactured it every time we got together. We just made it. It was like, okay, now it's spirit time. And, you know, it's the same. It was the same thing on a weekly basis. And I found myself, you know, probably as a confused teenager, probably uh, repenting and asking for forgiveness for like the same stuff, like every single week. Like it was like a (laughs) rinse and repeat kind of cycle and people praying over me and, you know, like me feeling like I had this breakthrough with God. And then it was the same thing next Wednesday. Like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really taking but it was just like this process that you would continue to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think there is some on that, like that end of the spectrum, there is a little bit of manufacturing that happens sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, there's a quenching that happens mm-hmm. yep. and we have to be somewhere in the middle where we're not quenching the spirit. We're trying to allow the spirit to move in us and to move in the room and to move in our church. But also we're not manufacturing any of it. I agree with yeah. what you're saying. Like I am not in a place in my life right now where I'm going to create mm-hmm. movement for the spirit. Well, I think if we're going to use scripture as any sort of an example, like you were just reading out of, out of uh, chapter two, chapter two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you're, you're speculating that like it, there's probably thousands of people there. Cause it sounded like an explosion going off. Like I think when the spirit's active and working, you know, it, yeah. it's not this like passive secretive thing in shadows. Like right. God has no reason to do that. Like, it doesn't serve God's will to be secretive in that sense. Like mm-hmm. he is active in us so that we know it. Like we are part of that equation. And so that's, that's always been for me, especially in my adult years as like, I have interacted more with situations and people and experiences where the spirit is present and active. I've always come back to that moment. I've, I've just learned that spirit's working and you're going to know it in your heart, in your gut. Like you're going to know that God's moving. It's not going to feel manufactured. It's not going to feel fake. You might be uncomfortable. It might get you in a spot where you're not comfortable. <laughs> like, but that doesn't mean it's not the spirit. Like you have to work past that and through that and just have more awareness of what's going on. The spirit is not, has no reason to be timid. The spirit has no reason to mm-hmm. hide. Like, you know, if anything, God's created this relationship this way because he wants us to be a part of it. He <clears throat> wants us to know when the spirit's mm-hmm. active and moving like an explosion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, not something we manufacture, not something we control. Mm-hmm. Um, not something really that we even question cause it's yeah. hits like a ton of bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I go back to, so I go back to John 14, which I want to share a little bit of, uh, cause this is where Jesus really talks about the spirit coming. So these are Jesus's, this is Jesus's theology on spirit, right? So if you're looking for like, where does Jesus talk about and like, how should we look at the spirit? Like, well, we can look at his words, um, you know, and understand that he kind of laid it out there for us, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, so let's, let's take a look. So, um, I'm going to start, I'm just going to read a little bit of John 14 for you. And this is, uh, I'm starting with verse, uh, 12. So he's comforting uh he's he's comforting thomas who's like hey where are you going we don't know where you're going and he's like hey there's a place for you 
relax. I'm going to go and prepare a place. You're going to have a place with me. Um, and you don't need to worry. And he goes, well, how do we get there? We don't know how to get there. And Jesus is like, well, I want you to know, like when it time comes for you to understand all this, the Holy spirit will illuminate all of this in your heart. Mm-hmm. He pretty much tells him, you can't really understand this until you have the spirit in your, in your life. Like it's, it's unfathomable what needs to happen until the spirit is here. And they, obviously didn't understand it because none of them had the spirit until Jesus was gone. Mm -hmm. So this is what Jesus says in verse 12. And I think this like line, people, people get upset about this line and they have to remember this is Jesus's theology. Okay. I'm not, this is not Mark's theology. (laughs) This is Jesus's words. These are in red. Okay. John 14 verse 12. It's Megan's theology. Listen to what he says. And you're going to fight me on this. I know you will. I fight (laughs) me on this. Right. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He connects the idea that like, when I go, you'll have the Spirit because it's all through the sections, all Spirit stuff. And he says, when I go, you'll do the same works as me and even greater works. Mm-hmm. People are like, blasphemy! <laughs> <laughs> that passage is that I'll do even greater than Jesus. Like, you can't do greater than Jesus. Like, Jesus had three years of ministry, and hopefully we're doing ministry for way longer. I think when Jesus says you're going to do even greater works than me, is like you could spend your whole life honing the Spirit moving in your life, and your impact could be gigantic. Maybe not that, you know, it, it could be taken in two different ways. It could be taken like you'll do even greater, more crazy things mm-hmm. than I did, or it could be taken you're like it'll all add up to way more than mm-hmm. I was able to add up to, which is bananas because it changes the entire world like mm-hmm. it changes the everything the entire um the equation for everyone um and then he says i'll do whatever you ask in my name so the father will be glorified in the son he says anything you ask in my name i'll do it in the next section he says i'm gonna go down to verse 20 on that day you will realize that i'm in my father and you are in me and I am in you. How is he in us? The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells in us. It fills us. The, you know, without that in our lives, we don't have the power to live the life we're called to live. It's just us trying harder. Mm-hmm. And I think like a lot of people, they go, here's the rules, here's the law, here's how I'm supposed to operate, here's how I'd be a good dad, here's how I'd be a good husband or wife or mom or whatever. And I'm just going to try to be a really good person. But like, you're missing the idea that like, you know, it's like the toy that has no batteries, you know, like I often take the batteries from the toys I hate in mm. our house. Cause I don't want to hear them anymore. The super loud ones. Yeah. We got this one. It's just the worst. Um, it's a trans- Every parent out there is like, <laughs> they know oh. they're thinking of a specific. Toy. I thought I was the only one that yeah. did that. <laughs> but we're like a, yeah. we're like a toy without batteries. Like we're, we're, yeah. we're trying to operate and we're made to do something, but we don't have the power we're supposed to have unless we have the Holy spirit in us. Like you, you, you can't do what you were made to do. You can't accomplish what you were called to accomplish. Like you can try, mm-hmm. give it a shot. It's not going to work. Like, so, I mean, Jesus is pretty much laying it out there. You're going to realize that the Father was in me, and that's how I did everything I was doing. And you're going to realize that I'll be in you through the Holy Spirit. And everything that we do through the Holy Spirit will be to glorify the Father. So, this is Jesus' theology. You know, um, it, it's him telling us he has to go 
so that we can have the Holy Spirit. And that's a better scenario than him sitting on an earthly kingdom, leading as a king. Like, mm-hmm. the power is not... And that you have to run it through the the first century mindset, too. All the power was in the one position. The king could do anything he wants. The Roman yeah. emperor in that day, kill anyone they want, do anything they want. Justice wasn't a thing. Nobody was checking the power there. Yeah. And Jesus is like, no, that's not how this works. The power will not be, um, you know, put all into this one position at the top for the king. It's going to be distributed evenly to all the people. And it's not even evenly. It's like, I'm going to give all the power to all the people. I'm going to give access to everything to everyone. Yeah. Um, and I, I just think like we, first of all, don't think we'll do the same things as Jesus. Don't think we'll do better things than Jesus. Um, don't realize that we're... We have the power we need with the Holy Spirit and don't access it. Like we leave it, we quench it. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't have this community with the Holy Spirit that allows us to be used by him. And we lead these lives where we're just like going through the motions, trying to do like good stuff. And I don't know about like you guys, but you know, that leads me to a place of cynicism where I'm like, this is even real. Mm-hmm. Like me trying really hard and trying to do this on my own and failing like a idiot makes me think none of this is happening, mm-hmm. yep. you know? So there is like a missing piece here. And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's uh, not wanting to be weird. I don't know if it's people just don't believe it. They don't have faith in it. You know, like there's, it just doesn't seem to be happening a lot in the lives mm-hmm. of the average believer, you know? Yeah. I think and there's a lot of reasons, I think, for what you're laying out in the sense that you know, this whole series that we're doing that you've been teaching on is about this rescue mission of the church. And if it's about the church, it's about us. And I just don't, I think a lot of people have been misguided, not necessarily intentionally, but just we've never really even learned that we have the opportunity in front of us to do this. And so we haven't been prepared for it. It's not how most American modern Christians think. Like this is not their mindset. It's not their focus. It's more about we we settle or boil down our our spirituality to like little things. Like if I can just make it to church, then I'm a good Christian, <laughs> you know. Or like whatever those things are. Like we we boil our faith down to a subset of a subset of a subset of action or requirements that make us check the box or not. Have you guys ever seen Cars three? I'm a parent, so like I've you know it's a Disney movie. I'm not saying I'm a fan, but there's a this really beautiful analogy that I think totally applies to what we're talking about. So in the movie, the main character, Lightning McQueen, is a race car. He's kind of washed up. So they get him a trainer, another, it's a Corvette, I think it is, to like train him so he can become a champion. It's the again. girl car. It's the girl car. I have seen it. You have seen it. <laughs> well, over the course of the movie... Lady power. <laughs> the girl car, the trainer, realizes that actually, instead of being a trainer of race cars... She's good enough to not only compete, but she ends up becoming the best race car out there. I think that's how a lot of Christians are. We're, we we are a th- we just stepped into a whole nother <laughs> topic I know. where she's been told her whole life that she yeah. should stay in one spot and isn't good enough. It's not about cars. The, chur- about, the yeah. church does this all the time. All right, sorry. I'm saying I think <laughs> I think we're spiritual. We have been created to be these spiritual thoroughbreds to do great things to be empowered by the spirit, to play a role in God executing his will in this world. But for whatever the reason, we either don't know that we are, 
We don't think we're capable of it. We're scared or freaked out by it. We're avoidant of it. And so we settle for a cheaper version, a lesser role. And that, I'm not going to blame that on Satan, but that's probably exactly what he wants. Is he doesn't want the spiritual thoroughbreds to run in the race. He wants us to stay on the sideline. Hmm. I think it's it's hard to teach something that you don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. So as a pastor, as a church leader, if you have not been taught well and you haven't wrapped your mind around the spirit really indwelling in your life, how can you lead a flock? Like, how can you teach that to other people? And I think somewhere along the line, we just like stopped talking about it because we didn't feel like we had authority to actually speak on it. Mm-hmm. And now a hundred years later, it's just nowhere mm-hmm. and we can't wrap our mind around it. We can't put it in a to-do list to like completely understand. We don't like being uncomfortable as human beings. Mm-hmm. We don't like not knowing what's going to happen or when the Holy spirit is very much like, like, like the opposite side of clean and orderly and scheduled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's hard to wrap your head around that. Totally. Over the years, I've gotten to know some different pastors from different countries and different cultures, even like some evangelists from different countries. And I met a guy uh, years ago at a conference, and he was a pastor of a church in Brazil. I can't remember where in Brazil. I can't even remember his name. So this is a really great story. But basically, <laughs> I know. Basically, this guy, you know, as I get to know him, we talk over this conference. He was telling me about how, like, he had come to realize that the reason the spirit does not seem active in our culture in the United States isn't because God's like, yeah, I want the spirit active everywhere else. Like third world countries, South America, you know, Asia, Africa. He was like, spirit is not active here because no one's willing to like take the spirit up on the offer. You know what I mean? And he was saying that like in other cultures, like his culture in Brazil, like it is part of like common knowledge, whether you're a Christian or not. Like, they are very, they're much more in tune by comparison than American culture to like the spiritual world, to the power of like forces outside, you know, supernatural mm-hmm. things. And so like, he'd say like, you know, I'll show up in a neighborhood and there'll be like all this crime going on and all these really bad things. And he's like, I will pray and people will get baptized and, you know, people will be healed. He's like, that's not, that's like a Friday night <laughs> in Sao Paulo. Like, so what he's saying, you know, for me, I was like, Oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Like in our culture, maybe the spirit isn't active because we're not taking the spirit up on the offer. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like we're not we're not in tune with the spirit. So the spirit's need, like not that God needs us, but like as it says in Scripture, like Christ Jesus imparted the spirit to the disciples, and then that's when the spirit became active. Like it it was through the human beings that it was working, yeah. and so if we've been conditioned or taught or avoided or super uncomfortable with that, then you're not going to see a whole lot of it. Um, yeah, I think, so I was trying to think about this more, like why people might be, you know, reluctant, I guess, to like take the spirit up on the offer, essentially is what, you know, that pastor kind of gave you some language for it. Um, I think sometimes like they think, how do I know? Like, how do I know if the spirits giving me this idea or pushing me in this direction or whether mm-hmm. it's me? Mm-hmm. So I was just thinking through a couple little uh, ideas that I have around that idea. 
Like, how do I know if the Holy Spirit's causing me or trying to, you know, get my attention or cause me to pray for somebody, approach someone, do something? Like, yeah. what is, how do I know? How do I know this is the Spirit? So, what, I, here are a couple ideas. One is uh, test, test the Spirit. In fact, Jesus doesn't, God doesn't want to, doesn't really offer a lot of opportunities for us to test him very much in scripture. <laughs> in fact, we're like warned against testing him mm. pretty yeah. regular. Jesus won't do it. Jesus won't test him. Like, you know, Satan comes to Jesus and says, go on, man, toss yourself off. Like, and he's like, I'm not testing God. Are you kidding? Like, he's my father. I know he'll come save me, but I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So like, there's this like idea of like, don't test, don't test God. It's all throughout. Uh, it's a vein of all throughout scripture. Um, but we're called to test the spirit. When we're trying to decide if the Spirit's speaking to us, we're said we're called to test it. In fact, I believe it's First uh, Peter where he basically or First John. Man, I'm, this is terrible that I don't know the reference off the top of my head. I get them mixed up all the time, but it's like test the Spirit, make sure. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're we're well past. Uh, <laughs> uh, make sure that um, the Spirit testifies to Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's so. That's the main thing about testing spirits like so if you're like is this from the world is this from me is this from from god like the spirit will testify to christ the the scripture should confirm Mm -hmm. whatever the spirit is leading you to do so if the spirit is leading you to do something where you shouldn't be doing it it will not lead you in a direction that goes against the written word of god Mm -hmm. right because i mean Jesus has this relationship with the word, but he is the word in flesh and the word, the written word is the, is the thing that we use to discern the will of God and understand who Christ is and to test, Mm -hmm. test the spirit. So if you're like thinking that God is going to lead you in a direction that goes against the word of God, you are, you're off. That's not the spirit of God in you. Mm -hmm. Um, the spirit should cause us to act in love. Jesus himself says, Hey, here's a new, there's a new command I give you. Like people are going to know you based on how you love each other. And the world's going to know you based on that. And the spirit doesn't lead us to respond to other people in love or in outside of love. Mm-hmm. So if we're feeling like someone's manipulating us or that we're using the spirit to manipulate other people, we're outside of the bounds of what the spirit does. Like it is, going to be confirmed by scripture it is going to testify to christ it is going to lead us towards acts of love those are going to be the things that the spirit is going to be doing and then lastly i always say like just test your own motives Mm -hmm. like what you're doing who does this serve a lot of times i'm like you know i hear people tell me well god told me to do this well not really this is actually the best thing for you personally and you're (laughs) manipulating god and the spirit by telling me that god told you to do it when in reality, I think if you tested your own motives, you would actually see that you told yourself to do that. Um, so why are we bringing God into this picture? I think yeah. sometimes people are like, if the idea pops in my head, that's God. And it's like, no, no. no. There's a lot of stupid ideas no. that pop in your head. I'm <laughs> ADHD. If, we, if everything popped in my head, I did. I, it would be a train wreck of a life. Or if we don't want to be challenged to say, well, Jesus told me mm-hmm. to do that. You're like... All right, well, how do I... It's lazy. Like, yeah. It's like, I don't really want to discern. I want to do this. And so mm. God told me to do it. I'm just going to yeah. do it. Yeah. And, you know, like... Who benefits? Yes. God or you? And mm-hmm. 
the thing is like we know leaders who manipulate spirit to manipulate people are spiritually abusive. Mm-hmm. Don't be abusive to yourself by manipulating the spirit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like a crazy town kind of idea. Yeah. Like don't do that. Yeah. Um, but it's really not you, you, it's a thing you learn. Like it's a muscle that you work, you, you get into a relationship with God and you start to, you know, have this, this relationship with the spirit and you start to understand and learn and be sensitive to and be listening for. And, you find yourself in situations where you're actively listening and asking the spirit to lead you. Mm-hmm. Those are great moments too, where you're like saying, okay, God, like I need, I need you to tell me what to do here. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and be quiet. I'm going to listen. And it's in those moments where you start to build that muscle of being in relationship with the spirit. And at the end of the day, God is a relationship. Mm-hmm. The Trinity that, you know, we mentioned earlier, like that's a small group. Mm-hmm. That's three people mm-hmm. in a group. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you weren't designed to be on your own. You were designed to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit in relationship with Jesus and serving the Father, glorifying the Father. Like, you're invited into this holy small group mm-hmm. that includes, you know, this perfect union of people. Yeah. And your access mm-hmm. is through that Spirit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you aren't part of that. If unless you are accessing that that spirit and being invited into, so why would we turn that off? Why would we quench that? Why would we, you know, as Paul says, grieve the spirit? Which was my favorite thing in youth group because my youth pastor he loved to teach us this, and it was just so manipulative. <laughs> now that I think about it, sorry, Bruce, if you're listening to this at some point, <laughs> this is garbage theology. Um, he'd go, "Don't grieve the spirit. Do you understand that when you do sin, you drag God into your sin." Cause he's inside of you and you're dragging him into all the things that, and I would say, no, uh, I mean, okay, maybe, but the bigger problem is, uh, that's nice. The bigger problem is we don't realize that the spirit's indwelling in us Mm -hmm. and that actually in order to avoid that sin, I wouldn't be thinking about grieving the spirit of God. I would be thinking about how do I access and be filled with the Spirit of God, which would allow me mm-hmm. to, to live the life that I've been, <coughs> been called to live. Yeah. You, you know, he should have been saying, hey, guys, instead of saying, like, hey, you're, you're dra- you should feel terrible about dragging God into your sin. When you made out with that girl in youth group, you dragged the Holy Spirit into that moment. And I'm like, huh. Like, little Mark is like, I'm a, I'm a jerk. Like, I, I dragged God into my sin. No, he should have said, if you want to live the way God's called you to live— you need to realize the spirit is in you and you need to be in a relationship with the spirit. And that's the only way that you're ever going to mm. not make out with that girl. But we could talk for about purity culture for a long time. And that was during the time of Joshua Harris. So, you know, again, I got a whole podcast in me to, to deal with that one. Um, well, and if you don't know what happened to Josh Harris, Google. Yeah. It. No, don't come, <laughs> come talk to us. Yeah. It's, it's we'll a chat. really, it's a sad, it's a sad story. No, I, I think that is a yet another example of a cheap inversion of the way it's supposed to be, yeah. you know, whether because he didn't know, or he was trying his best. Like, I mean, I'm sure we've all have had experiences, whether it was in youth group or on a Sunday morning where you feel you've been shamed because of your sin, instead of being admonished, to remember like the spirit dwells inside of you. Yeah. yeah. You have what you need. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and you go, go back to that, what that guy said, uh, Brazil from Brazil. Brazil yeah. Um, how in the world can we create room for the spirit when we're so full of other crap? Mm-hmm. 
And I mean that. We got so much. Mm. And it's worse now than it was 10 years ago, 20 years so ago. Weird. I mean, geez, like <laughs> we had to sit down and have a conversation about which streaming services are we going to pay for. <laughs> That's so stupid. <laughs> Yeah. It's such a stupid world that we live in. Yeah. We're like we're just yeah. we're just jamming stuff in all day long and we're so full of everything else that there is no room for the spirit. Yeah. Which we know God's a still soft voice. He's a gentleman. He's not pushing his way into your yeah. life. You create room for him. This is why we go to retreats and we yep. go into the woods, we go to camp, like all of a sudden God's God's right there. Oh, it's amazing. Every time I go to camp, I'm like, God's right there. Yeah, there's no TV and Netflix and yeah. your phone signal is crap. Yeah. And, and God does not quiet. exclusively live at <laughs> I Camp turn my <laughs> No, he he doesn't, but it yeah. forces us to be quiet yeah. and to like sit and listen. Totally. When there's a thousand things to take my attention mm-hmm. right now. I go home and I've I'm single and don't have kids and I have a thousand things I could mm-hmm. do. Like sit and read my Bible or sit and talk to Jesus. Is often not at the top of the list when it should be. Yeah. Yeah. We're full. Yeah. And so, yeah, spirit feels like a million miles away. Mm-hmm. And you're probably listening to this going, I don't know how to be in relationship with spirit. How about, like, turn your crap off. Don't fill yourself up. Create mm-hmm. some space in your life. Sit down in some quiet. Yep. Ask a question. Yeah. And listen. Find somebody in your small group to do this with. Like, help mm-hmm. keep each other accountable yeah. to be in the word. You want to fill yourself up? Fill yourself up with the word. Yep. Well, yeah, and and just so anyone who's listening out there knows, like we're not perfect at this, you know. No. So <laughs> professional Christians. Maybe, well, maybe Marcus apparently. <laughs> Definitely not. So takeaways from this podcast: Mark is perfect, and God lives at Camp <laughs> Lebanon. Thank you. Exclusively, <laughs> no. he's the house been there. No. Uh, no, I just I think because this is something that teenage Aaron, young adult Aaron, adult Aaron, forty year old Aaron. I, I struggled with this all the time. Yep. It's like, yeah. how can I allow the spirit to be in control? How can I surrender my own desires, plans, control mm-hmm. so that God is, is orchestrating and moving what he wants me to do. Right. And that's easier to say and talk about and not as easy to do and find the real life application of that. Mm-hmm. But the important thing is that if you're hearing these words and it's sparking new thoughts and ideas in your heart and your mind, the important thing is to do something. Don't, keep doing what you've been doing because it's not working. <laughs> How's that working out for you? It's not like, yep. Yeah. And, and we're here for you guys. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, we got a hard deadline today. We do. We got to get to a meeting. Uh, it was my fault. We got started late. So apologize for that. Um, so I think we'll just end it here. And obviously we can have more conversation about this next week. If people have questions or they want to talk to us, like still, I haven't received one question. So, um, yeah, if you guys have questions, feel free to drop those in the chat when you see these on YouTube, if you're on watching right now, or you can email it to office at pursuitcommunity.church. We would love to answer questions that you all have during these conversations. Yeah, or yeah. text your pastor. Or text your pastor. So, great. All right. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Have a good week. Bye.